0: welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials
1: novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 25 of The Amber Spyglass. saint jean (laughs) Lazare.
0: Oh my god, it feels like forever ago since we were like getting Google Translate to shall say. It I get,
1: yeah. For all time's yeah. sake, shall I get Google Translate back on it?
0: Please, please. I hope it's a really horribly British one that we got by accident.
1: Saint Jean Lasseau. I don't think that's the English. Saint Jean Lesou. Saint Jean That was quite good. Saint Jean Lesou. Yeah. Saint Jean Lasot. Yeah. Saint Jean Lesot. <laughs> that's the one. There we go. That's Just a little, a little little throwback for you all from mm-hmm. pre-TV show episodes there because oh we're, back. we're
0: back. We're doing back
1: doing book episodes. We're back
0: doing book episodes. and It's I... been so long. It has been so long and truly, have I forgotten how to do a book episode?
1: It is possible. Very, well, definitely. I've already realised I forgot to do like three things. So yeah. it's great. Yeah. <laughs> we're so professional and this is going to be excellent. Yeah. It is like,
0: feels weird being back because we're both in different locations now. If you listen to our TV episodes, you know that we're like in a different part of the country now and it's very weird and yeah it's strange to think the the positions we were both in the last time we recorded a book episode. Yeah.
1: Yes for anyone that is only tuning in for the book episodes hello we're back. Sorry it's been a little bit longer <laughs> than maybe ages. you might have thought. <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, since you last heard from us we've both moved out of London and up north and our lives have done some little fun helter-skelter seed, turvy moments and it's been a time which is why we've had a little break from podcasting but mm-hmm. now we're back
0: we're yeah. back we are officially back and good luck to us keeping to a schedule
1: because <laughs> we haven't had to do that in a while look no promises no promises this is the year of the time of the summer Of girls who don't put too much on their plates, is what I'm saying. Yes, it is. I completely (laughs) Um, (laughs) agree.
0: But you know what? It's going to turn into rage. It's going to be girls who don't put too much on their plates, but then stress about all the things that should be on their plates, that they've taken off their plates. (laughs)
1: Look, if I could just, like, take the pressure off this thing, except for I'm going to feel really, really intensely about the fact that I'm taking pressure off this thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're we're really good at, like, taking breaks and being (laughs) connected. No, no, we did. We took the time we needed and we're back, hopefully, at a reasonable capacity yeah and we're going to be very good at monitoring yes this is my pledge to you Faye yeah if we seem knackered I'm going to call us out on it okay okay yeah yeah
0: that's fair I will do the same I will do the same good. I agree I agree <laughs> the intention was to recall this episode in the same room but instead we just watched a bunch of episodes of maths Australia have married at first sight Australia oh God, which it's
1: you know a roller coaster it's a roller coaster it and also is. I I'm glad that we didn't record it on Sunday. I was headachey. We watched the Eurovision. We had some themed cocktails. We did. We really enjoyed the Eurovision. We did. Some of those cocktails should have been mocktails. I had yes. headaches for the whole of the next day. And I have realized that I am now old. It's oh, a thing. Uh, hangovers just hit me very differently. And I keep pledging every time I get a hangover. Oh, this won't happen again. But I just, Marguerite isn't so nice. Right. Rich
0: <laughs> is. Rich is a very careful drinker, which is great
1: when, when, you, pints, give, when yeah. you
0: give her a cocktail my god can she down that cocktail we were like oh this is really strong looked over at rich she's got like the tiniest bit left <laughs>
1: it's it's grown-up apple juice <laughs> it it's it's just like it's the same if anyone ever gives me fruit juice of any kind it's just gone immediately like yeah i think it's that same thing it's sweet it's tasty it's gone just give just, why not a mocktail next time next eurovision we'll do mocktails yeah and it'll be great and yeah I will feel like sunshine and roses the next day.
0: Yes, we'll do like... We could do like one cocktail, one mocktail kind of vibe so that you yeah. can go for either. And then when you're mm-hmm. not feeling the alcohol one, you can go for the mocktail. I think that's a good idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do not know how the girls over at Goblet of Wine... Oh, no. Do, ...do drinks every episode. Absolutely not. I could not drink on that kind of schedule. No,
0: no me neither. <laughs> me neither. I couldn't do it. I just like... I am so terrified of being hungover that mm-hmm. I just, I
1: just couldn't do it. Mm-mm. Not for me. So no. we're podcasting only. We know this. <laughs> we had gin that one time. Or well, I had a gin that one time and it was a, it was a chaotic episode. What did I have? <laughs> like red wine. And I was like, Ugh. It,
0: was fun. it wasn't It was great.
1: So yes, we're back. Yes. Hi. Do you know what I want to know, Faye? Mm. Cause it's been so long since I've asked you this question. Mm. your demon have been this week this entire year who knows (laughs) well I you
0: know me I always struggle to pick my demon and I thought hmm you know what because we've been gone Mm -hmm. for a little while and we haven't had to do it maybe like the inspiration will have come back to me and it kind of hasn't like I although I did pick one I feel like I want to be picking more I feel like I'm always picking from the same pool of like species Mm -hmm. and i want to change it up but for this week i haven't um i my thing was that it's been quite sunny recently fingers crossed um and i figured the bees are back they're coming back they're out they're getting drunk in pollen and that made me think of the bee that we saw get drunk in some pollen outside that pub that time oh. and i was like i'm just that bee i'm that bee getting a little bit merry in the sun in some pollen
1: yeah yes that was a great bee it was he was so confused he kept yeah. going back to the same same flower he'd already done that flower
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was great yes. so yeah i'm that exact bee
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love
0: that yeah what about you because i know that you're very very prepared for this question
1: i am very prepared and you know what i i as I do in so many episodes, I'm going back to the most recent animal meme that resonated with me. Yeah. And it is if you've, if you follow my Instagram stories, you'll have spotted, I recently shared an armadillo hopping around backwards, picking up sticks mm-hmm. for his little nest. And it reminded me of me not taking a basket to the laundry yeah. and like hopping around with my laundry, picking up socks. But the more I think about it, the more an armadillo feels really right as well, because mm-hmm. I, the last few months, I've needed a thick skin. Yeah, I've needed to put some armor on, and I've also needed to be able to curl up in a little ball and tell everybody to go away. Yeah, and that's kind of what we did by taking a little break from the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and so it just feels right. It feels like an armadillo is a good one for me right now, and also they're
0: really cute. They are really cute. They are really, really cute. cute. But that no, that's a great one. Love it. Absolutely mm. love that. I thought you were going to say that whatever that little bird was that was doing a with- little woodcock. <laughs> I
1: think it was a woodcock. A wood no, because woodchuck is a like a little rodent right so a woodcock must be the bird i don't know
0: i don't know yes. but that also <laughs> did make me think of when our friend zach we were playing um we were playing that game uh at that uh, drafts at the board game cafe yes. and we were trying to think of like you had to say stuff really quickly and he was trying to name birds and he said Titpecker. oh my god <laughs>
1: Yes. So good. So great. (laughs) So good. It's like, yes, you've got two parts of words that are birds. Yeah. That is not a bird. (laughs) Oh,
0: Oh, so great. One thing that we should mention before we get into the chapter is t shirts and merch and shit. Yeah. Uh, We say this all the time, but we do actually have plans for new merch in the works um, by
1: the time this episode comes out we might have e- emailed the lovely person that prints our t-shirts about the new design hopefully but right now we haven't
0: <laughs> yeah hopefully i did mean to do that today and i did not but it is yes. on my to-do list i'll remind
1: you i'll it, remind you tomorrow yes it's
0: on my list um yes we definitely we've got we have literally have a new design we just need to get it printed so uh hopefully very soon it's really yeah. cool obviously rich designed it so it's great um, and we are looking in to like other types of merch so if there's anything in particular that you lovely listeners want to see on merch so like different types of merch if you want to see our designs on coasters or hats or anything let us know what you'd mm-hmm. prefer um because obviously t-shirts are very easy for us to do because of the way that the our shop runs um, so it'd be good to know what other people want before we like take the plunge and buy a bunch of stuff.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah. Merch, merch, merch. Oh, I'm actually wearing podcast merch today. Here you go very yes. well. I'm wearing the logo tee with the pocket print. Love Lovely. It. Love Super comfy. It. They're my favourite T shirts to wear, actually. Just like around the house when I'm getting like odds and ends done because it's, it's such soft fabric.
0: It is. Such like soft fabric. It is. I love, you sound like you're on like a fucking infomercial. Right? But I love it, I love it. You're yes. not wrong though, you're not wrong. Like that was yes. one of the things that we were like really adamant about when we were getting, like sourcing where we'd get our t-shirts from that we wanted them to be good quality. So yeah, you can go to hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop and grab yourself a t-shirt. They're all like packed and sent by me and I write you a little note and I include a little postcard and stuff. It's all very cute. Uh so yeah, get on it if you can. Also, a good way to support us is our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash HDM pod. We are getting back on to that. We've been yes. as we've been on a break, we've obviously been on a break from Patreon as well. Uh, but we've kept up in the Discord with everyone, which has been really lovely. Um, but yeah, we are cooking up some some stuff for
1: Yay. for Patreon. As always, a huge thank you to our current patrons whose support has helped us to come back to podcasting as soon as we could after the break and who we can all thank for my excellent new sound quality because it has helped to buy a new mic for me, which I needed after my move. So, yes, yes. thank you very, very much, patrons, you. for the lovely audio. Yes, thank you so much.
0: So, yeah, is it time? Is it time to get into a book chapter for the first time in... I can't even remember when.
1: Oh my God, it is. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready. Are you ready?
0: Whenever you're ready. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Last chapter, Mrs. Coulter visited the CCD, absolutely roasted the life out of some priests and was arrested by, speaking of failure, Father Macphail.
1: Lord Roke was sent by Asriel to spy on Mrs. C and found out that the CCD are building a weapon to kill Lyra.
0: In this chapter, Father Macphail and his lads take a ridiculously long time to park a blimp.
1: Mrs. Coulter and Lord Roke plan her escape and LMP tries to defuse the Lyra bomb.
0: Lord Azriel shows up at the last minute to take all the credit and save Coulter. Save was in quotation marks.
1: <laughs> okay, here okay. we are. Here we are. Do you want to tell me what the little picture is of shall i guess yes it's is it of a little bomb
0: it's it's <laughs> a, it's not a great one this one
1: uh, is it of a blink blimp taking 12 pages to park <laughs> <laughs> it is not um
0: Ooh. i guess like it's kind of i actually kind of don't know what it is i'll show you i guess it's just like the 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 like power the cables and stuff that are used to
1: Oh uh, yeah like the the power plant that yeah. they're using yeah. yeah yeah it's not great kind of a boring choice phil and pick is. a better picture for the podcast art which i completely forgot was a thing that oh, i yeah. do <laughs> we were like oh <laughs> fuck
0: here's another thing yes <laughs> uh would you like to tell me about the quote
1: i would do you want to guess any of what it's about do you have any inklings um i mean obviously it mentions her
0: so i i mean i'm just going to relate it to what i think it relates to in the chapter rather than what i think it's about in terms of Whatever poem or story it's in. I mean, it obviously, I guess, just makes everyone think of Lyra's hair, right?
1: Yeah, the quote is a bracelet of bright hair about the bone. And it is from John Dunn, which is pronounced Dunn, not Don, as okay. I wanted to say. Yeah, I would want to say that as well. Yes, very much definitely chosen by Phil because of uh, the hair, I think, because that feels very relevant for this chapter. However, a very, very Phil choice to have chosen. My little researchy bit took me down a video that had me watching someone who is definitely like a secondary school or sixth form English teacher explaining the poem to me in like a 10 minute little video. And it was really cute. Nice. And I appreciate that man. And I cannot remember his YouTube thing, but it was definitely like a, it had a like revision vibes. Nice. <laughs> and I'm here love for it. it.
0: Although I think that school. would have
1: given me a bit of
0: like. Oh,
1: uh, no, I I don't have to do exams anymore. I'm an adult. Yeah. I mean, I did not do A-level English, so I feel like I have less uh, school-based uh, yeah. PTSD around that. Oh, I do. <laughs> I, I
0: have a lot of it. I still have frequent dreams about having to do like exams and stuff. Oh, absolutely
1: not. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. So John Dunn uh, is now best known as a poet, but in Jacobean, England. He was born in 1572 and lived around the same time as Shakespeare, which gives you a bit of context for like mm-hmm. when jacobean england is um but he was also most famous during that time period for the power the powerful oratory of his sermons and for his public role as the dean of st paul's cathedral in london hmm. um but he was raised catholic and changed to be cv slash protestant later in life so he is a preacher but not a catholic preacher and he has quite strong critical opinions of catholicism which we know phil is very much into yes yes Mm -hmm. um and this is from a poem called the relic which um if you do you know much about relics as a thing um
0: whenever i think of like the word relic i think of like crash bandicoot and other games (laughs) that are similar where it's like i love that a particular object that has some kind of importance i guess but i actually don't really know anything else about it like where hmm. the word do you know when like a word gives you a feel and then you can't yeah. like i feel like
1: when you tell me what a relic is i'll be like yes but i can't get it out of my brain into words so for me like without knowing i kind of already do know some of the further context but without more context i would just go oh it's like an old artifact mm. which makes sense right but um more specifically a relic especially within catholicism is um a part of somebody's remains ooh, um and usually as somebody who is very significant or a saint or is linked to jesus or you know the, 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 the you know you the, know the main cast the, big the guys. main cast the big guys you know <laughs> the main characters yeah <laughs> um and so yeah if you you know if, or somebody you know if a, a miracle has happened mm. to them and they're like not quite a saint but close to sainthood they might be parts of them might be kept as relics and so wow, a reliquary okay. which i've heard which is a great word makes me very happy is like mm. the um, place in which you would keep relics okay. oh, like the little the special fancy little boxes and stuff but the relic itself would be like the, the finger bone of a saint, Oof. the hand of a saint a bit of their hair, mm-hmm. something that's been preserved to be venerated because of that person's status as a saint
0: which is nice okay interesting and that's why it's in crash bandicoot obviously
1: (laughs) yes because as we all know crash bandicoot very catholic
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes one of the only catholic bandicoots i would assume
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know how big i don't know how big catholicism is in australia but i feel like specifically among the marsupials maybe not so much Mm,
0: probably Bandicoots marsupials uh yeah, assuming I think so.
1: all Australian things are marsupials. I think I think so. I'm not sure. Are they I rodents? Don't hmm. I don't look, know. I'm going to have a look. They look cute. They they also look nothing like crash bandicoot. <laughs> Absolutely nothing like crash bandicoot. Yeah. It's ridiculous. No jaw. It's not a single jaw no. inside. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not a single jaw. Um what are they? Small marsupials. Yeah.
1: They are marsupials. Yeah, they're
0: nice. very they are, they're nosy as in like, mm-hmm. I just did like a yeah. little
1: elephant shrew nose, yeah. which I think is quite close to how mm-hmm. they look. Yeah, they, yeah, it truly is. It really is. Right. Anyway, yes. carry on. So yes, this line is from a poem called The Relic. And would you like me to re- attempt to read you the poem? It's, bear in mind, it's in Shakespeare, any language. Um, uh, or would you like uh, me to give you the synopsis of what happens in the poem? Or both? Because you might need both. I mean, both. <laughs> I would love to hear you read it. <laughs> I can try. I will not do as good a job as this A-level English teacher did. Mm. I will say that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, oh God, (laughs) I'm not ready. When my grave is broke up again, some second guest to entertain. For greys have learned that women had to be more than one abed. And he digs it, spies, a bracelet of bright hair about the bone. Will he not let us alone? And think that there a loving couple lies who thought that this device might be some way to make their souls at the last busy day meet at this grave and make a little stay. If this fall in a time or land where misdevotion doth command, then he that digs us up will bring us to the bishop and king to make us relics then. Thou shalt be Mary Magdalene, and I shall be something else thereby. All women shall adore us, and some men." And since such a time that miracles are sought, I would have thought that by this paper taught what miracles we harmless lovers wrought. First, we loved well and faithfully, yet knew not what we loved nor why difference of sex no more we knew than our guardian angels do coming and going we perchance might kiss but not between those meals our hands ne'er touched the seals which nature injured by late laws set free these miracles we did but now alas all measure all language i should pass should i tell what a miracle she was oh i felt like i got into it at the end We did <laughs> um so the basic structure of that poem is um it's kind of the POV of the poet is um, a body in the grave. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, important to know that during the Jacobean period, it was really common to rebury. They were like running out of grave space. So right. they would quite often dig up a grave that already had someone in it to just pop an extra person in, Ooh, nice. stack them up. Nice. So the, it's from the point of view of a skeleton that is, or a body that has been buried and the grave diggers come to put someone else on top of them. And, they've spied in the grave when they've opened it up Uh, that while the body has decayed there is a bracelet of bright hair about the mm -hmm. bone and the hair has not decayed it has not been touched and that this grave digger, grave grave (laughs) excuse (laughs) me (laughs) that this grave digger yes um would see that the hair was still like in perfect condition even though the body had decayed and see it as some kind of a miracle and that's where he kind of makes a little dig at catholicism because he's like lol if you saw this he'd think it was so special and magical that maybe we'd become sainted we'd become relics because Mm -hmm. people would romanticize this story of this person that had been buried with their lover's hair around their wrist yeah and the superstitious grave digger would see the hair around the wrist and think oh they've put it there so that on judgment day when all which is a whole thing (laughs) it's a whole thing judgment day is when all of the dead who have lived righteously rise again and can be reunited and live another afterlife and so the idea is the the line that is to make their souls at the last busy day meet at this grave and make a little stay the idea is that the hair from her would connect to him in some way so that they would reunite after death um and they'd be made relics and then he kind of takes the piss a little bit out of Catholicism there being like thou shalt be Mary Magdalene and I something else thereby is a little bit like well wait a minute who was Mary Magdalene's boyfriend it was Jesus he's calling himself Jesus in this poem um (laughs) and kind of taking the piss out of like how someone could find something so small and maybe trivial as like this token of love that's quite simple and small Mm -hmm. and they would maybe venerate it to sainthood and then turn us into relics and after kind of explaining this whole thing of like, oh, we'd be relics, we'd be this, we'd be that, he kind of says, but what actually happened? What was this love? And describes there. this mm-hmm. lover's relationship, which actually seems quite chaste because he mentions that while they kissed, coming and going, we perchance might kiss, but not between those meals. It's like, we'd give each other a little kiss when we saw each other and when we said goodbye, but we wouldn't in between those times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just yeah. hellos and goodbye kisses. And also like, our hands ne'er touch the seals which nature injured by late law is very much like we never did the nasty <laughs> ain't no yeah, yeah. ain't no seal touching going on here mm-hmm. ain't no breaking of no seals yeah um and so it's kind of actually seems like quite a platonic friendship perhaps mm-hmm. or like it's a, more of like a chaste lover's token of some kind yeah um and i think the last line is really nice of just being like should i tell what a miracle she was which is like All of this like fantasy, fantasy stuff of like, oh, what if they found our grave? Whatever. But it's also just saying, but I just thought you were really nice. Yeah. At the end. And it's like, oh, cute. Um, And so the whole poem, I think, especially the idea of the hair being the thing that connects the lovers to reunite them is very much a whole thing of like... The fact that Lyra's hair is somehow connected to her yeah. actual being, which is what powers the bomb. Yeah. And then the whole thing of it being like a fated lovers thing to be found after death, but also that could be misconstrued by a slightly pompous uh-huh. religious vibe. Feels very like fated lovers. Yeah. All this kind of thing. Feels very Adam and Eve-y, I will yeah. say.
0: Yeah. It also like... I don't know exactly what I... I don't... Well, I don't know exactly what I mean by this. I do, but it's kind of stewing in my brain. It is also it does kind of give that mrs coulter and lyra vibe as well that there's something that connects the two of them yeah um like lyra's hair connects the two of them um yeah
1: like if you were to find mrs coulter's body and find the locket with lyra's hair in it would you assume they were lovers or would you assume it was like a platonic token of yeah. like mother to daughter actually exactly yeah like how yeah. could you misconstrue that kind of thing as yeah. well
0: i do really like that poem it's very gothic yeah. it's a I very love, gothy poem i love a bit of goth and i love a bit of like cute love as well like the cute romantic shit especially like i liked the last line as well about like
1: i love a poem that's pov of a corpse i love a song that's pov of a corpse i think one of my favorite hosier songs is like from the point of view of a corpse and i'm like yes anything that's (laughs) from
0: the point of view of a corpse i'm down yes (laughs) count me in (laughs) provided there's no grave diggers around (laughs) there is that um (laughs) there is that murder doll song that's called uh, grave robin usa which is i can't remember if it's from the perspective of a corpse or not but i used to be a really big murder dolls (laughs) fan (laughs) for anyone listening that enjoyed murder dolls i'm
1: pretty sure there's a creep show a creep show song that's like from the point of view of like a murdered woman and it's like at the guy that murdered her it's very like revengey
0: nice Mm. nice okay shall we get into this chapter
1: let's yeah let's do an actual book chapter shall we yes my god my god
0: so first of all i want to say that as soon as, when I read, I guess I was like comparing it to the TV show, but when I started reading the chapter, I was very like confused about where the location is. Like, are they just on like a hot, they're obviously on a cliffside somewhere. It's very like rainy and horrendous and it's very windy. Mm-hmm. So, but like the actual mechanism that ends up separating spoilers for this
1: chapter that you've all read, uh, MacPhail and his demon, is that just outside? <laughs> Yeah, I think the entire situation yeah. is outside and I got really confused because I was like, when are they going to go into the power yeah, station? me too. Because in my head, they had to go in somehow, but they just don't. Yeah. They're doing this entire thing in the rain, which feels very short-sighted. Yeah, like, it really just, does. Just but I was pop like- up a gazebo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Truly, right? Get some windbreakers
0: up, you know? Something to fucking stop the lights falling down. I am sick of how many times it says in this chapter that lights fell down or they're like swaying around. I'm like, set your lights up properly, do you know what I mean?
1: Everyone get a head torch, and then it won't even be necessary. Right. You know? Come on, Magisterium. Honestly. Yeah. Also, I I did have to double check and Google what what a cataract was and it is a waterfall. Oh, okay. It's a very powerful waterfall. So when it's saying about the cataract... Um, powering the generators that 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 then makes sense um, it makes sense. so i am like oh does it just mean a gorge no it means it's very much a water some clean so.
0: energy there yeah go magisterium <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no no fossil fuels to power <laughs> to power my murder bomb <laughs> uh so one of the first things that
0: the, that um we both thought when we did this chapter is that rich messaged me and she was like why is it like three pages of them parking a fucking blimp which is and it's
1: it's a little bit annoying Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it is a lot of a lot of parking a blimp and I feel like maybe as like a literary device boring us before doing something quite tense and exciting is like maybe good because I guess it ramps up a little bit all of a sudden the moment that light crashes down and Rogue goes and gets the key. I was expecting it to still be quite a slow burn of like Colter, yeah. like sneaking around to escape and all of a sudden it's a kerfuffle. Mm. But um, yeah, I just don't need to know about the parking situation. I love no. that he has to explain like, oh, they would have parked closer to the power station, but like they couldn't get that close. So then they had to park further away. I, just, I, don't, I don't need to know about the car park. <laughs> no, I do it's enjoy great.
0: that McPhail is obviously pissed that he's going to have to walk in the rain and then the pilot sasses him. I do enjoy that yes
1: yeah um i appreciate that and i guess we get like we do get a little bit more culture kind of in there because she kind of has like a nice little chat with the guard that's um guarding her <laughs> it's like, oh, what yeah. are the words what are the words it's interesting i guess it was
0: interesting for me i had to go back and like look at the chapter before because obviously rook is there he's spying there's a lot of like him out in the open and like things out in the open in this chapter that could be seen. It's like, oh, LMP's out in the open a little bit later on. Rook's like out in the open, but nobody sees him. Um, that is not what I was going to say. But I had to go back and check what happened last chapter because I was like, I wasn't, I guess I just wasn't expecting Mrs. Coulter to be on the Zeppelin. And mm. when she was, I was like, oh, yeah. Because like in the last one, uh, like the last chapter, it's obviously implied now that you've read this chapter, the implication makes sense. When he's like, McPhail's, like, oh, I know just what I want to do with her. And it sounds really creepy. And obviously it is. But obviously his intention is to use her to set the bomb off. So it makes sense that she would be in the Zeppelin. But it's uh, when we like actually got to that bit with her in it, I was like, oh
1: yeah, okay. Mrs. Colt here, sure. Cool. Yeah, I think I had remembered the, the end of the last chapter. She'd tried to escape the Magisterium again yeah. and been caught. Um, but yeah, I think... It helps that I've just watched the TV series, so mm. I kind of knew the vague trajectory. Yeah. So, like, she's handcuffed. Like, the monkey
0: is in her lap. Um, and I had a note. It says, On the other side of the aisle, Mrs. Coulter sat awake and silent, her golden demon watching everything from her lap exuding malice. And that made me think of, I remember in season two of this uh, TV show, there is an episode called Malice, And I can't remember if this is the first time or the second time that the monkey has been described as, you know, Mm. exuding malice or whatever. But I remember Jack Thorne saying that the reason why, because it wasn't, I think every other, potentially every other episode title in season two Mm -hmm. was a chapter name and obviously malice isn't. And I remember him explaining that there's a particular bit where the monkey is described as exuding malice and that's why they called that
1: yeah oh it was like if he had a name it would be malice or something like that is one of the lines in the book
0: yeah so it would it would have been that time but yeah so this is not the first time malice has been used and it obviously was picked up by the tv show at least jack um Mm -hmm. who used it as a episode name in season two
1: yeah it's a good good word it's a great word yes um so
0: Rook gets inside Mrs. Coulter's coat so that they don't see him and all I can think about is just the borrowers it's very borrower like
1: yeah getting yeah tucked into the coat I'm imagining if they'd have tried to do it on the tv series the him trying to like how would they make the giant like um sheep fluff yes. texture inside of the inside yeah. of the coat for him to climb it would have been so much of a mission and trying to get him to like um yeah, building, like, the giant inside of Mrs. Coulter's coat for the yeah. actor to go around in and stuff. Yeah.
0: Also, hilarious. in terms of the coat, whose coat is it? Did she have it
1: with her? It'll be oh, some guy. Some guy.
0: Because <laughs> Mrs. I Coulter, ju-
1: she'll have looked a little bit chilly and immediately some guy mm. will have offered her a coat. Well, <laughs> I think because like,
0: I'm so used to, like, Ruth Wilson looking incredible, I just mm. assumed that she would only ever wear, like, an amazing like fur coat made for mrs coulter specifically i can't imagine her in like a coat from like a random guy but you are probably right uh, yeah. but I was like I can't imagine it
1: she's the kind of person though where she would be given a coat by just some guy and it would just happen to be someone that was like her exact size or that was the perfect level of like oversized to make it fashion yes. or like she'd have been given the coat and she'd be like absolutely not I cannot wear this without a belt somebody find me a fashionable belt Yes. <laughs> and she'd have popped a belt on it and then like looked cinched and snatched and it would have been amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the
0: I do like the description of I guess it like kind of ties in where it says the golden monkey tucked mrs coulter's silk collar inside how do you say that word
1: oh yes the golden monkey took mrs coulter's silk collar inside solicitously cool solicit- okay solicit- i'm gonna start that again like a soli- just like, like a, a solicitor, solicitor.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: the golden monkey took mrs coulter's silk collar inside solicit- soli-
1: solicitously i can't <laughs> say it uh amazing.
0: Right. Like, I'm not, there are so many words in this paragraph that I can't say that I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you what.
1: For all the world, like a fastidious courtier. Courti- oh, like couture. Okay. So, okay. I, I read it as courtier to begin with and I was like, what? Like she's the queen?
0: <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't read these words, but hopefully you all know what I'm talking about. When we're talking about Mrs. Coulter always looking fashionable, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like Philip kind of alludes to it here in a metaphor with the monkey tucking in her collar saying oh to everyone else it just looks like he's like attending to her look and making sure she looks her best when really he's making sure that nobody can see Rourke yes yeah I love that Mm -hmm. it's just a great image as well yeah let me just straighten your tie yeah (laughs) Mrs. Coulter is very charming as we know this she's like do I have to have these handcuffs on the guy's like, well, I haven't been told to take them off. I actually like this guy. If it's the same, I think it is the same guy throughout. Mm-hmm. But later on when she's like, he's like, uh, that's the guy that's got the keys. I I don't ask him if he can let him go. I'm like, fair. He's being
1: honest. You know what I mean? I mean, he's that like, is I don't me ask him. at work <laughs> ever when someone was like, oh, can you just go and ask so-and-so from the other department to do this? And I was like, if I could actually do anything to yeah. avoid having to ask a superior question yeah that would be great and that's why i'm a shit employee you know, that's why you work for yourself <laughs> that, yeah that's why i work for myself because i don't have to talk to anyone except for myself yeah. <laughs> uh
0: but yeah it did make me laugh because i was like well you know at least he's being honest mm-hmm. um i enjoy her like thinning in clumsiness and rook being like she is like the most graceful human being i've ever seen in my entire life she is definitely not falling over at this point mm. in time she is just playing a game right now yes
1: no I love that I loved it I, I thought it was going to be like a long game of Roke when he like mm. slips out to get the keys and find the keys and like it was going to be like oh sneaky sneaky and then just all of a sudden it's just like oh well a light falls over so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Um, this sneaky game just turns into oh we'll just go and grab we'll just sting a guy and grab a key while the lights are falling mm. over it's great
0: Honestly, like, the whole sequence of him going to get the keys and the keys being massive and, it like, it's it's, it's like an animated comedy. Like, I can yeah. just do it in an episode of, like, Tom and Jerry or something. Or, like, it does remind me also of the scene in The Mask where the dog gets the keys from the guard that's asleep on the chair. Little Milo, like, grabs the ring of keys from, like, the guy's uh, belt. Nice. There's so many... Again, it's like the bridge... um. The Rickety Bridge thing that we mm-hmm. talked about in the first book. Stealing a ring of keys from someone is such yeah. a like trip.
1: Yeah, or like it's very specifically the guard who has the keys does does have them on his outermost yes. garment. Yes. attached to a belt very clearly visible <laughs> yeah if if he'd put if you put it in his top pocket we'd have all been screwed but thankfully yeah everybody knows that rings of keys live on belts on the outside of garments
0: <laughs> true and also obviously rook like wrestling with the keys and they're fucking massive is giving borrowers again or like honey i shrug the kids <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i love that yeah he's struggling he's struggling and then he like hefts it onto his back and runs along like he's um like he's in some kind of like boot camp yeah, <laughs> yeah. like or um the one with the water pails in Mulan when they're doing the, like, let's get down to business yes. and they're running along with the water pails. like yeah.
0: that. Yeah. So Rook like, stings a bunch of people in this chapter. Mm. And we learn a little bit later on that his, or, like, the Galabespian's poison, it kind of depletes and it has to have, like, a full day to get back up to full poisoning potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he their only weapon, really, their only weapon that would be really useful is in limited supply, I guess.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I I love that it feels like one person falling over in the middle of these lights being down. Now, that's not noticeable. Two people falling over <laughs> while this light's down. That's noticeable. Yeah. And Roke is in the open. Yeah. And it's very God, in big the open. point. And also, through this entire situation, it's also pelting with rain. Mm-hmm. and is it during this section when roke becomes very aware that if this rain turns into hail he's mm-hmm. fucked because it'll yeah, just yeah. knock him straight out if it hits yeah. him and i'm like yeah i love i love that phil is very aware of the scale of roke Yeah, so are, and so are we and i like yeah. that a lot <laughs> yeah for sure
0: i like that too um so getting the key is like such a task for him um he hides he ha- then just hides it behind a boulder um because people are finding the unconscious man, and then that's when he's in the open, as clear as a fox in the headlights of a car. Uh, and there's just so many, mo- there's just so many strange lighting moments in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not really sure what Phil was trying to get at with like the lights falling over Rook being caught in the light, Rook and LMP being caught in the light the light moving around so it seems like the mountains are moving and like nothing's steady I do quite enjoy that aspect but I'm just like what Phil what were you going for with the light in this chapter I'm not really sure
1: i are just building a lot of hecticness it's being yeah. like a level in a video game where mm. yeah there's a bunch of lights swinging around and you're like don't be seen
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah I guess it, it just adds to the chaos I guess mm. and makes everything feel a bit uncertain and visually like you can picture it visually quite clearly of like how that just adds to the chaos and makes everything feel hectic, and ma- if it was done in the TV series, I, I imagine they'd have done like quite a cool job with it. Can you um, see like
0: why they absolutely did not do this in the TV series? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I was like, like the
0: li- a lot of effort. Oh, the li- like I know I've mentioned the line fucking million times, but actually rigging all this horrendous lighting would have been mm. awful, mm-hmm. awful. Just put
1: them in a sterile little environment yeah a little room don't don't take them out of the magisterium even Mm. let's not let's not travel yeah to (laughs) Saint-Jean-les-eux if we don't have to (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um
0: so Rook frees Mrs. Coulter and they're starting to like unload all the bits for the bomb um and Rook tells Mrs. Coulter to go to the bomb and she like runs off um there is a bit here which i enjoyed and we've talked a lot about whether we think that mrs coulter's intentions now with lyra or are like real and like this is one line that actually made me like be like oh yeah it's 100 percent real because it's kind of like um i guess almost like a third person look at how she's feeling it says um the problem for mrs coulter was not how to get out of this situation alive that was a secondary matter so she is fully in on lyra not dying even if it means that she dies and i think that's kind of a little clever line from phil that solidifies that actually you know she would die for this and i think that's kind of the first i feel like a lot of the stuff we've seen so far is her like telling someone how much she loves Lyra and that could easily be a lie because she's such a good liar but seeing it like written down like this is kind of like okay yeah that is kind of solidifying like h- how she feels about Lyra that she would just yeah definitely. she would literally die for her
1: yeah it's just a. Uh, this is not I'm escaping because I want to escape this is I'm escaping because I need to get that hair out of that machine yeah um,
0: I have a question the bit where we, we say it, because obviously we've not done the previous chapter in Fucking Ages, and realistically I should have looked back at the previous chapter to check, but where it's like uh, Lord Rook had burned the hair from the envelope after her arrest, letting the wind take the ashes away
1: into the night. Is this exposition, or do we know that this happened? So he gets the hair, he says, you should destroy it all once, one single hair would be enough, the man said. She looked at the little curl and shook her head. Too late for that, this is only half the lock I took from Lyra. So I guess... Um, Da, 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 da. yeah so and then mrs coulter gives the lock of hair to roke who takes it to the wardrobe so he must just dispose of it but she's already realized by the time that he's given it to her yeah. after he's nicked it that it's so i think they're just confirming that he but then says and it. then
0: he found his way to the lab and watched as they place the rest of the dark curl in the resonating chamber in preparation like and do we see him do that
1: in the last chapter i don't think we do no i think we just she just finds out that it's only half
0: if we don't like and obviously we don't because you just checked
1: it's that's a really
0: interesting writing choice from phil because it feels almost a little bit lazy it's not his usual writing style to be like here's just a bunch of stuff that happened that i didn't bother telling you in the last chapter and i didn't make it into like a story format format in this chapter i've just laid it all out for you here
1: yeah yeah because we basically just because he's well i guess he's watched in order to steal the hair he's watched what they were doing in the lab because there is a bunch of descriptions of him overhearing everything about the hair but yeah that was
0: before they put it in the resonating chamber though, wasn't it so yeah it's just an interesting choice from phil that we've like never really seen that style from him before i've just been like oh here's a bunch of stuff that just happened that I'm telling you about now, but I didn't tell you about then.
1: I guess he's like, oh, I guess we need to fill in the gap between yeah. her being caught and Father McPhail saying, yeah. I know just what to do with you, and you know, it takes a bunch of time to load stuff onto a blimp, finish a bomb, <laughs> and load it onto a blimp. I guess they've just gone, oh, yeah, we just hopped, hopped straight to the bit where we're parking because that's the most exciting. Well, this part. is what I mean. It's like, <laughs> why didn't he start
0: the chapter with like Rook, like burning the hair and like finding it in the resonating chamber? That's much more interesting than parking a fucking blimp.
1: I mean, look, you don't know how much he loves parking blimps, right? <laughs> okay?
0: Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so we learn that we have to wait until the bomb is set up before we can get the hair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And then we have like a bit more of an exposition here, which I don't mind. It's kind of like, a little, it's just a little bit of a reminder of, it's actually a really good paragraph, so I'm just going to read it. And that was going to be even harder because of what the president intended to do with Mrs. Coulter. The energy of the bomb came from cutting the link between human and demon, and that meant the hideous process of intercision the cages of mesh, the silver guillotine. He was going to sever the lifelong connection between her and the golden monkey and use the power released by that to destroy her daughter. She and Lyra would perish by the means she herself had invented. It was neat, at least, she thought. I
1: also love that paragraph. It's great. And I love how... I love that she goes. Oh, yes, that's very poetic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I feel like it's very Mrs. Coulter to recognize the um, and kind of maybe have a little like laugh to herself or like how, yeah, how silly it is that the thing that she made is the thing that's gonna destroy hmm. both her and her daughter
0: to- um, for sure. And yes. um, that also, I, I guess, like that really good paragraph that's kind of a reminder of what happened before and is reiterating to us. What it means when somebody gets their demon taken from them or mm. cut from them, kind of near that weird Rook paragraph that was like, "Oh, this is some shit that happened that we didn't tell you, that I didn't tell you about." Mm. Them sitting so close to each other, I think, it's maybe one of the reasons why I pulled up that Rook paragraph and was like, "That sounds weird," because the next paragraph
1: or one of the next paragraphs
0: is actually really, really fucking good and does a similar thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, oh, this machine that I've kind of vaguely alluded to, I need to now explain how it works. Yeah. And explain how we know to get the hair out because I've made it sound so complicated that Mm. how would he know where to find the hair? And then now I have to tell you, he spied to find out where it would be and yada, yada, yada. And I I guess, yeah, it becomes a a slightly convoluted, less parking, more explaining. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Also the bit where
0: it says her only hope was Lord Roke. I'm like, okay, Star Wars, calm
1: down. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Lord Roke, you're my only hope. Because <laughs> she slipped out of the cuffs, out of the cups, out of the cuffs, and she's hiding, mm-hmm. scrambling up a rock face and hiding. And I think it's interesting that she's, I guess she's leaving a lot of it to Roke because he's small enough to get in the machine. He's small enough to get to stuff. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she's escaping, but staying within... Distance to be able to help him and not just escaping and being like, cool, me running away is enough to fix it all. Um, but also knowing that she's going to be integral to the plan as well, because then it makes um the when she has the full realization that she was going to be put in the yeah. chamber, um, it makes it like all the more dramatic, I guess. Yeah. And all the more important that she stays away. And then when she has the realisation that it's she's not actually that essential because Father MacPhail's gonna go for it instead like that's makes that even more dramatic yeah
0: do you think when i was reading this chapter mcphail didn't really seem to give that much of a shit that mrs coulter had escaped it's not even mentioned by him like we know there's Mm -hmm. soldiers on guard and stuff like that and there's you know we get into like a big fucking like gunfire and tear gas situation but he's not really like oh my god she's escaped fucking get her and put her in the cage do you think it was maybe Do you think that he was kind of not hoping for it, but like, I want to be the one. I want to be the one that like
1: sacrifices myself to do this fucking noble quest. He doesn't, he doesn't though, right? Because his demon fights against him. Unlike in the TV series where his Mm. demon, she's just like, "Mm, yes, sacrifice. Like his demon is like freaking out and pleading with him not to do it. So I wonder if it's like... But I guess it's like the two sides of them, right? Because like,
0: I guess there were, I mean... There, there is, I guess, there's an inner turmoil in him about it because otherwise, like you said, his demon would be calm. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's also a part of him that was like, ah, I get to do this now and I get to sacrifice myself for this like noble quest.
1: Martyrdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's that same, um, like quick quivering intensity oh, that God, Father yes. MacPhail has that, like, yeah. just makes me feel sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I said Father McFallan I meant Father Gomez, but that's what I meant. I meant oh, Father yeah, Gomez. Yeah, I yes. mean, they're pretty much they're the interchangeable <laughs> at this point, yeah.
0: So Mrs. Coulter, she gets to where the, like, setup is. And is this location, I mean, I'm asking the question, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, I read this whole location, this whole thing is very much reminiscent of when Roger died. And I'm wondering if that is why Phil decided to like keep it outside. Cause we're mm. on like a cliffside, we're outside. It's, ra- I can't remember if it was raining with Roger, but it's cold. Like mm. it's very similar to that setup.
1: Yeah, I imagine it does look very similar to Azrael's machine. That's mm. probably, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That's probably a very deliberate point um, to make it feel very similar to that. And I guess it's similar stakes in that like our life hangs in the balance and it's also mm-hmm. centered around this severing process. Um, yeah. Also, question,
0: we see a witch now. Why? I didn't realize that witches were working with the magisterium.
1: Neither did Mrs. Coulter. Mm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I kind of like that. I, I don't understand why she's here. Mm. It's a very swift situation. Yeah. Um, Adds to the chaos. But yeah, I just love this. Like, oh, and now there's a witch. Yeah. yeah. I guess we'll deal with that. And it also means we've got someone to warn us that something else is coming. Yeah. Ominously. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess in the same way that there is a witch helping Azriel at the end of the first book, mm. she had like flew a wire up into the air or something. Yeah. And there's a witch. Oh, there's a rogue witch that kills Will's dad. And I think it's like understanding witches introduce this like element of like chaos to the situation, like they are free agents. Serafina might be on our side, but and Ruta might be what's Ruta doing these days? Is she just fly off? I don't know. But yeah, and the, the you know, that's all the witches are are kind of free agents and can do what they want and add an element of like chaos to the situation. True. True. Yes. So uh,
0: MacPhail is basically like it obviously treats this witch like shit. It's just like, I don't give a shit about you. Go and find Mrs. Coulter. I know that there's somebody helping her. There's a creature helping mm-hmm. her cause all these men are on the floor um and he blatantly doesn't care that something else is coming. He don't give a shit mm-hmm. so Lord Rook is on the floor. He ain't moving. uh Mrs. Coulter tells l m p to go get him, mm-hmm. and this is like this is a bit I was talking about where like l m p is like Going to get him, and he's like out in the open. But because it's raining, his his fur isn't as like gleamy and obvious as it usually is. But he's still in, out in the open. Everyone's out in the fucking open in, in this chapter. It's a very open space to be out yeah. in,
1: just in case <laughs> yes. we weren't sure.
0: <laughs> so I will read the. I know we've already talked about um macphail being the one to set off the bomb, but I will read the paragraph because I do like it. Mrs. coulter wondered what he intended to do now that his victim had escaped. Then the president turned to look over his shoulder and she saw his expression. It was so fixed and intense that he looked more like a mask than a man. His lips were moving in prayer. His eyes were turned up wide as the rain beat into them. And altogether, he looked like some gloomy Spanish painting of a saint in the ecstasy of martyrdom. Mrs. Coulter felt a sudden bolt of fear because she knew exactly what he intended. He was going to sacrifice himself. The bomb would work whether or not she was a part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, as I was just reading that, the bit where it said he was going to sacrifice himself just made me think of that bit in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. He's going, going to, to sacrifice, sacrifice himself!
1: <laughs> 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 <Damn>. oh. <laughs> oh.
0: But yeah, good paragraph, good paragraph. Yes. Rogue has got a broken leg. Yes. And they like moved towards the bomb. And one of the things I don't know about was, not Phil calling Rook LMP's little burden.
1: Rook would hate that. <laughs> That's He's already told us that the Galavespians are a prideful people. Mm-hmm. So the way that he, he just goes on to neg so many of them well so much. him while he's down. <laughs> In yeah. his last
0: moments, R.I.P. Rook,
1: R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. The witch
0: is shooing arrows at Coulter. And she then, to get away from them, she rolls down the slope towards the monkey i'd have loved to see ruth wilson gracefully rolling down a slope <laughs> do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like you can only imagine that mrs coulter did it with style and grace yes
1: i love that coulter grapples with the witch mm-hmm. and they like roll around and stuff meanwhile lmp is just like pulling the pine needles off of her cloud pine branch is just classic like, you, lmp you fight her i'll attack this branch yeah um, <laughs> it'll be helpful. It's not helpful. She still like, gets on it and flies later in the chapter. <laughs> he just attacks a branch for no reason. Oh. And I'm just
0: imagining him they're like, I'm helping. I wonder, like it's never explained, but obviously, or it might, I mean, as far as I know, it's never explained. Obviously in the TV show, one of the methods of torture that Colter uses is pulling the cloud pine out of the witch. I wonder, in my brain, I think I just connected the, the two and I was like, oh, the monkey pull and the cloud pine must be her in the witch. But I think okay. I just like, obviously, it's not said that it is. It's, I just connected the two because we've seen it in the TV show. Yeah. But yeah, that is funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm helping.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, this is a bit with the uh, MacPhail's demon. Um, meanwhile, the president was thrusting his lizard demon into the smaller of the silver mesh cages. She writhed and screamed and kicked and bit, but he struck her off his hand and slammed the door shut quickly. Oh, i know horrendous also <laughs> the seagull demon then flying down and like grabbing is it rook yeah it's classic seagull energy if i've ever no. seen it <laughs>
1: <laughs> if ever a seagull was designed to do anything it is to swoop down and grab something out of someone's hands <laughs> truly That's for sure
0: truly and i've seen that happen so many times oh, and yes. it is never not hilarious look
1: Never has a better moment in my life happened than witnessing a seagull swoop down and steal our, half of our friend's panini. Honestly, he <laughs> was I, so devastated.
0: <laughs> I'm so sad I wasn't there, but when that happened, but the story of it fills me with joy. But we would
1: spent so long oh waiting for God. that panini. We'd spent ages waiting yeah. in this cafe for our yeah. food. And we were leaving. We were like on our way to do a thing. We were really panicking because it was taking so long to get this food. And then we all left. We all had our various foods mm-hmm. that had come out later than we all thought. Yeah. And everyone else had kept their food packet closed. and We were just walking to the car to get there as fast as possible. And he just opens the lid of this panini box to be like, oh, and a seagull immediately swoops <laughs> straight in, grabs half that panini and fucks off. And It was so good. So great. And I think we weren't even that far away from a sign that said like, please don't feed the seagulls. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I was oh my god, I can't believe you just fed the seagulls. And he How like, dare did you feed it. the seagulls? Did you not see the sign? <laughs> exactly. Um When I was in Whitby, I was like sat outside a, a bar, but like outside and it was like next to a footpath and this guy was like eating a sandwich and he like was holding it like down next to himself just as he'd like, like in between bites and a seagull came and nabbed it out of his hand and he just went, you fucking dickhead and like stormed <laughs> off really angrily. I'm like, amazing.
1: <laughs> I... Would absolutely think that that has happened multiple times to that man with that exact same seagull, which would yes. explain that reaction. <laughs> Just yes. like not again, mm.
0: you fucking dickhead! <laughs> Can't eat my sandwich anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so good, I loved uh, it. Yeah. Um. So, then the witch flies up to her demon. Mrs. Colter throws herself towards the bomb. There's tear gas. Why? Do we
1: think that's Asriel? Well, see, so this is the thing the witch does repeatedly mention whenever she interacts with um, Macphail she says like there's something else here there's something mm. else coming Um, and it, yeah is that Asriel is that Azrael's forces, is, is that him showing up with the intention craft because mm. all we actually hear of him after he's picked up Coulter is that he has the intention craft, not necessarily yeah. that it's his army that have come in but surely it must be because yeah. who else would be fighting against the magisterium at this yeah. moment yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. Just add to the chaos. Yeah. Why not? So we have like two
0: deaths, one after the other, I guess. Um but then a sound from high above made Mrs. Coulter's ears ring, a scream so high and horrified that even the golden monkey clutched her in fear. And a second later, pitching down in a swirl of white limbs, black silk, and green twigs, the witch fell right at the feet of Father MacPhail, her bones crunching audibly on the rock. Excellent mm-hmm.
1: imagery. Great death
0: description. Well mm-hmm. done, Phil. Yeah. And then immediately after, Mrs. Coulter darted forward to see if Lord Roke had survived the fall, but the Galavespian was dead. His right spur was deep in the witch's neck. Mm-hmm.
1: A very, um, if she were to meet any other Galavespians that knew Roke, she would say, like, he died bravely in battle or something, yeah. you know, like a yeah. very much a, a hero's end for him. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And then, you
0: know, classic failure fucking mcphail he just steps over the witch she's still alive she's still saying like something else is coming he just steps yeah. right over and ignores her piece of shit
1: yeah it made no sense so he just carried on yeah okay mate sure yeah um his his demon was running up and down the sides of the other cage her little claws making the silver mesh ring her voice crying for pity mm-hmm oh I don't want to feel sorry. I don't feel sorry for Father McPhail. I feel sorry for
0: his demon. Yeah, for sure. Same. Yeah. Then there's like a whole kerfuffle where like LMP like clambers up McPhail to get to the chamber to get the hair out. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Colter jumps in to help. There's so much like gunfire and like floodlights are
1: swinging around. Swinging around. <laughs> These bloody lights. <laughs> These Somebody fucking lights. Honestly. the lighting. Please. Just, just get the blimp to hover and put the headlights on. You know? Yes. Something. Something has to be better than these flimsy, flimsy (laughs) floodlights. Yeah.
0: Um, So Mrs. Coulter and Macphail have a fight. Uh, The president and Mrs. Coulter fought hand-to-hand, scratching, punching, tearing, pulling, biting, and as she was tired and he was strong. But she was desperate too, and she might have pulled him away, but part of her was watching her demon as he manipulated the handles, his fierce black paws snapping the mechanism this way, that way, pulling, twisting, reaching in. Then Macphail... Smacks her over the head. Rude. Mm -hmm. Simply
1: rude. But it's okay because the monkey is in there. He's getting stuff. It's very stressful. I find this very stressful because she's locked in this fight. She's been hit Mm. over the head. But... Phil's doing a really good job of describing like all the things. It's like, and he had the chamber open, a glass door and heavy hinges, and he was reaching inside. There was a lock of hair held between the rubber pads and metal clasp. Still more to undo. Mrs. Coulter was hauling herself up with shaking hands. She shook the silvery mesh with all her might, looking up at the blade, the sparking terminals, the man inside. The monkey was unscrewing the clasp and the president, his face, a mask of grim exultation, was twisting the wires together. It's just like everything is happening at once. Ah. There's so much happening, and it is like really stressful. Do you know when she's like shaking the cage? Mm. Is she trying to like knock the hair loose, do you think? That's after this. So okay. that's so this is he's twisting the wire together there's a flash of intense white a lashing crack and the monkey's form was flung high in the air and with him came a little cloud of gold was it lyra's hair was it his own fur whatever it was blew away at once in the dark and mrs coulter's right hand had convulsed so tightly that it clung to the mesh leaving her half lying half hanging while her head rang and her heart pounded i'm like did we all just get electrocuted Mm. i don't know Mm. but that wasn't it he was starting to twist the wires together but he hasn't I don't know what that was the loud crash the bang something went yeah when the monkey took the hairs yeah but um then there's this moment and I really love the way it's described of something had happened to her sight a terrible clarity had come over her eyes the power to see the most tiny details and they were focused on one detail in the universe on the one detail in the universe that mattered stuck to one of the pads of the clasp in the resonating chamber was a single dark gold hair <sighs> yeah I love it. You can see it. You can see the the camera zooming in. Hmm. Yeah, yes. Totally. Yes. Um. And so he's not got all the hair, and then the president twists, uh, twists the things together, does his silly little prayer, and Miss. That's when she's tearing at the mesh and hurling her whole weight against the machine as he puts the wires together in the hopes that it'll like shake that single hair off the yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know because the blade shoots down and something explodes somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And then Mrs.
0: Coulter, she's like beyond feeling the bomb went off. Lyra's got to be dead, you know. Also, I will not say R.I.P. Macphail because you don't deserve it. You mm. fucking failure. The ultimate fail.
1: The ultimate fail. Yeah. From speaking of failure. Father McPhail. Yeah. Say it as many times as we can before the end of this episode because yeah. we don't know when we're going to get to say it again. True. <laughs> Father President Macphail, actually. Father President Macphail, Yes. <laughs> Uh, and then Asriel's here.
0: Mm-hmm. Honestly, when I was reading this chapter, I was like, oh, li- I literally just let out a sigh. I was like, oh, fuck's
1: sake. <laughs> also, just like... Not better late than never. Better never, actually. Yeah yeah. Off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you were so late. You could have helped so much more with this entire situation. Mm-hmm. And no... You can't just show up and whisk collar off and yeah. think you've saved the day. Yeah.
0: I bet he fucking loves that he's coming to her rescue as well. I bet he fucking loves it. Like and I hate that. Get your hands um, off her. Yeah, truly. And like he's such a bell Like he ignores her when she asks if MacPhail is dead and if the bomb went off. He just completely ignores her. Mm-hmm. Um although I will say that I do enjoy Stell carrying LMP in her yeah. mouth. It's very
1: cute. Yes.
0: I'll read where we find Macphail's body. I'll just read that a bit before I continue my Asriel rant. Mm-hmm. Um, through pain-dazed eyes, Mrs. Coulter looked down at the mountain slope. Men were running here and there like ants. Some lay dead while others crawled brokenly over the rocks. The great cable from the generating station snaked down through the chaos, the only purposeful thing in sight, making its way to the glittering bomb where the president's body lay, crumpled inside the cage. Good description. But... Mm-hmm. Mrs. Coulter has asked Azrael two questions. She's clearly traumatized. His thing, it, his, he just says, Lord Rook, and then she says, dead. And then in a perfect metaphor for some toxic masculinity, he just like bombs the entire fucking like Zeppelin and the entire mountainside because he's sad that his friend died. Yeah. Oh, it's, I'll just set this blame thrower
1: off then, shall I? Yeah. Okay. Don't answer her questions. No. or Anything. Or you know who knows what that's gonna do? Like if the bomb didn't actually go off, mm. and he's not dead, blowing the bomb up might still hurt Lyra. Like yeah. you don't you don't know. What that's just
0: reckless, reckless. Yeah, and it's yeah. like big man can't talk about his feelings, so big man make explosion. Big man, little dignity. <laughs> yeah,
1: in the words of our queen. Yes. Williams. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just. Ugh ugh, I'm done, I'm done. I don't want you here, Asriel. You don't deserve to Mm -hmm. swoop in. That's it. He basically leaves the entire situation. The the entire outdoor science experiment is just a line of flame on the mountainside as they speed away in his midlife crisis mobile. Yeah, and Mrs. Coulter can't stop staring at it as they go. She has had some serious trauma. Yeah, Uh, that's an image as well. Again, a very cinematic image of her mm -hmm. just like staring like, bleary-eyed at this, like, line of orange fire down the mountainside as she's being swept away, just like, yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And that is the end of
1: that chapter. It is. We did it. We did it. We did it. And one question I have Mm. is, if the demon severing is what powers the bomb, why did they need to go to the power station? Is it just that like interesting they harnessing the powerful force of severing a demon to do the thing and that powerful force was enough to rip a hole in the world at the end of the first book from asriel and yet they need to go all the way to park a blimp at power station to run it as well does the power station in any way help the fact that it's like
0: a directional thing but i guess that's the hair isn't it yeah. like
1: was it only to power the floodlights pointlessly <laughs> Like why? Why are they at power station? Is what I want. Yeah, there's so many descriptions of this massive cable being laid Mm. down from the power station. Also, just like take the entire situation indoors, and then you won't have to have such a long cable to get from the station to the bomb. Put the bomb in the station.
0: Yeah, it's a very. I yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure, but yeah. We're done. First chapter back in fucking ages.
1: We First did. First chapter it. back.
0: It was a lot about parking, but it was, it was also a lot
1: about Mrs. Coulter trying her best to rescue Laura. Yeah.
0: What is a. Uh, tell us what the next chapter's called, Rich. The next chapter is called The Abyss. Nice. Okay. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Do you have an award to give out to somebody this week? I do.
0: It's for Lord Rook. Because, yeah, R.I.P. He tried so hard. Like, he did a lot of work in this chapter. He was running about all over the place. He got those keys. He, like, killed a bunch of people. He fought Mm -hmm. the witch.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then he died. And I'm sad about it. R.I.P. He deserves the award. He did a lot. It wouldn't have been able, the the events wouldn't have been able to happen without Hmm. Lord Mrs. Coulter would still be in handcuffs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he did. He did good. Mm -hmm. would have done a lot better for himself if only he had a tiny backpack with wings on it. True. You know? Yeah. That entire situation wouldn't have worked if he... I mean, I guess it did in the TV series with his backpack with wings, but maybe that's... Yeah. It's much more tense if he's running around like a borrower, you know? Yeah. Does he not have a dragonfly rook? I think he does, but when he slipped into the intention craft with Mrs. Coulter to sneak to the magisterium... Mm -hmm. It was a very last minute decision, and he didn't have time to take his bags with him with his like dragonfly lava in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If I recall correctly. see. Uh, What about you? Who's your award for? Uh, What am I feeling at the end of this chapter? You know who it's definitely never going to be for? It's never going to be for Azriel. If oh, I could never. give him an anti award, that's yeah. what I would do. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's not
1: even—he's not even done that much bad this week except for show up. I just don't want him here. It's just annoying, um, isn't it? He's always got to make his presence known. So annoying. I think I'm tempted to give my award to the guard that actually helped Coulter quite a lot by telling her where the keys were yeah. and just clearly actually did not want to be there or do his job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an honest king, you know an honest king he just happened to be working there like yeah you know I mean okay yeah he's kind of like a magisterium guy but maybe he maybe maybe his mum is sick and he just needs the paycheck you know
0: (laughs) an honest king who wasn't scared to say that he didn't dare ask the other guy for
1: the keys exactly if he he wants to avoid the social interaction of asking his boss a question that he kind of already knows the answer to Um, I I feel that I feel that a lot yeah it's fair
0: (laughs) it's valid it's valid yes
1: That's it. I don't think there's anything else, right? What do we do at the end of podcast episodes? That is it for this chapter. Aside from, I mean, tell everybody to come and support us and support other things that we are supporting. While we are on the topic of fuck the magisterium, fuck the system, fuck people that are dickheads, uh, Mm -hmm. let's have a little chat about our lovely pals over at Hashtag Ruthless Productions. Our pals, Lark and Jesse are currently running a petition To basically ask HBO to stop platforming transphobia because whilst a lot of us do have uh, a soft spot for the Harry Potter books, Mm -hmm. we do not find the creator of those books to be a person worth supporting and there is enough media out there for us to interact with that does not support her or her views. Yeah, And we do not need a TV series. No. Um, I know there's a lot of excitement from some fans of the books about the TV series being out there. But quite frankly, as we know from this amazing adaptation we've just had of the His Dark Materials novels, there is other content to be platformed. Mm-hmm. There is other interesting and more diverse works of fiction to be platformed out there. And I just think it's really important that uh, we put our money where our mouth is and put our mouths where our money will go, which is telling mm-hmm. the folks at HBO that... Platforming transphobia isn't a good look. And so, if you want to sign the petition, if you head on over to bit.ly.nohptv, you will find the petition that Lark and Jesse have set up. Uh, It includes an open letter that explains exactly why, in probably a bit more eloquent of a way than I just have, uh, why it's important to tell the folks at HBO that we just don't need a Harry Potter TV series. We really don't. And
0: honestly, As two people that have long-standing relationships with the Harry Potter franchise, there's so much Harry Potter content in the world already. We do not need new content that then supports the author. We just don't need it. It's It's not needed. There's... There's so much out there already for people to consume if they want to. We do not need new content. So, yeah, yeah. if you feel the same way as us, please go and sign the petition. Uh, please read uh, the words that uh, Lark and Jesse have put together because um, they're doing an amazing work on this. Uh, and, yeah, just support it if you can because we just don't need it and we don't want it.
1: No, there's so many. Uh, if you are still super keen to interact with that fandom, there are so many ways that you can do so in a way that, supports and uplifts the trans community and the queer community and does not put money in the pocket of somebody who actively tries to harm the trans and queer community. So I think it's a really simple choice to make at this stage. (laughs) Absolutely. A hundred percent. So yeah, do that. Sign the petition. bit.ly.nohptv. Do good things. (laughs) Do. And Rich, I feel like you
0: have another thing to tell us about
1: I have another thing to tell you about. Is it that we really love a review? <laughs> it is. It is. That. It is. We <laughs> really love a review. And we are, as always, because we always take a little pause on doing this little spiel at the end of the uh, TV show episodes. It's a book only spiel. Yeah. And that spiel is, write a review, send us a screenshot, please. It'll enter you into a prize draw. And hopefully at some point soon, we will draw those prizes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have a chance of winning one of our super cute... HDM pod bookmarks or a up-to-date sticker pack um, yes yeah it's yes. good right is a review mostly we just really need you to so please yeah. do
0: it <laughs> it's really it helps us out um helps us get you know more listeners uh and also it's a fun way for you to potentially win some merch and i know i say it every time but i swear to god we are really close to in the 50 mark now um, I can't remember. We actually actually we, like, it sounds like I'm just doing it to like bait people to get the reviews in, but I am i they are that we are Look, nearly there. The
1: more of you get reviews in, the faster we yeah, will get there. That's true. the entire point. It's true. It's true, it's true.
0: So yeah, that's a really good way to support us. Um also obviously we mentioned at the top of the episode, um our merch and the Patreon are other good ways to support us. Also, just word of mouth is a great way. Like if you know any People that love his dark materials that might want to listen to the podcast, give them a nudge. Tell tell them about us. My niece recently told me that her English teacher has just started listening to the podcast because they're covering Northern Lights. Um, so
1: hi to that teacher. <laughs> hi hi English teacher. I <laughs> it kind of scares me that an English teacher would mm-hmm. listen to this. Just because I'm like oh my I I haven't done it. A... What was the I haven't done a Sarah is, is Sarah Jessica Parker subject justification point. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't we definitely don't do <laughs> no, that.
0: No. <laughs> we
1: if this is this is not the literary analysis that you might want yeah. as an English teacher but you know what I see a literary it's the Literary analysis, you exactly
0: exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, tell a friend about us, and uh, as always, you can send us an email. We're going to say all the information in the outro, but we still bloody love an email. Um,
1: we do
0: bloody love, an we email. do. I've got an inbox full of emails I actually need to respond to, um, which I will do at some point. We're all just, we're both just a bit rusty after coming back from the break, I think. That we're we like, are. oh, there's stuff that we do, remember?
1: Yes, <laughs> also, I'm very aware that we are reaching the latter half of the third book there are going to be some significant chapters with some significant feelings. Mm. And if you have significant feelings about those significant chapters, and you email us in good time, we might even be able to read out portions of your emails in those book episodes. That's true. If we get our shit together, you know, and if you
0: if we if you don't email us in enough time, or if we don't get our shit together, we will probably do a mailbag at the end of this book as well.
1: (laughs) Yes. thanks so much for listening to this episode of her dark materials you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at hdmpod and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com you can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk if you want to support
0: us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod we also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from rich you can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop i'm fair and when i'm not getting mad about as we all come into the rescue you can find me talking about paramore on my other podcast still into you you can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on twitter and instagram at still into you pod
1: i'm rachel and when i'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about how much i love poems that are from the pov of a corpse i'm making cute and magical arty things you can find me over on instagram at rachemakes on twitter and tiktok at rach underscore makes and over in my online shop rachemakes.co.uk huge thanks, as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings.
0: And we'll see you in two weeks time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: nice.